0: Amen. Father, we just thank you for the living hope that we have in you. God, we thank you for just the opportunity to worship you this morning. Father, I thank you um, for the church that you've given us to come and to, um, to open your word. And Father, we pray for Rodney as he opens your word to speak through him. Father, we thank you um, that your word is true. Father, that it's, it's profitable for us. God, that you spoke it out. And we get to hear your word this morning. Father, we pray for our hearts that you'll open them to receive your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Luke and John. Just occurred to me, where's Matthew and Mark, right? (laughs) If you're joining us by live stream, you probably can't hear the voices of the congregation like we were in the congregation but I love that we're a singing church. Thank you for singing praises unto God. And what a wonderful thing just to hear the voices of God's people joining together and lifting up his praise. Open your Bibles with me this morning to John 15. We're going to focus on one verse, but we're going to get the context of it and begin reading in verse 1 in just a moment. But I, I have found setting goals every year is an important thing for me. It's a it's a helpful thing for me. I, I don't mean necessarily setting resolutions that are nice to put on paper, but I mean really challenging myself, praying and asking God to help me in areas of my life that I need to grow in, that I should be further along in and One of those goals every year that I come back to has to do with the way I'm going to engage God's Word. What am I going to read this year? What am I going to memorize this year? How am I going to take in the Word of God and let God do His work in me through His Word? I don't know of anything more transformative in a person's life than when they began to regularly read the Word of God. I would like to think that Lawndale is a different church than almost every church. That is, that everybody in our church family is reading their Bible every day. But statistically, I think I would be deceiving myself to say Lawndale is different from all the other churches. In general, when most surveys are taking, taken, it's a very small percentage of people who are regularly in the Word daily. That is, reading a chapter at a time through a book at a time. I don't even necessarily meaning reading a devotional book, Our Daily Bread, or any other really helpful, good devotional material. I don't discount that. I think it's helpful. I think it's good. But there's nothing that replaces actually getting in to the Word of God. This is the book that is inspired. This is the book that God uses to transform us individually. As a church family, we gather together to study the Word of God. We worship Him, and part of our worship experience is opening up His Word and saying, Lord, speak to us. In 1 Timothy, we're, we're to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture, And Timothy, as a pastor, was challenged to explain and to teach and exhort through the Word of God. It's what we do, pastors are, to equip the saints uh, through the Word of God for the work of God. It's, It's a part of God's work. And so for us in 2022 as a church family, I just could not even imagine what it would be like that what God would do in our church, what God would do in this community, if all of us took seriously that daily time in the Word of God. We're challenging you. We, and staff, we had a wrestling match over what should we challenge the church to do as far as reading the Bible. And so we have, we have some who say, man, let's challenge them to read the whole Bible this year because basically that's, that's about three chapters a day. I mean, you can read through the whole thing, about three chapters a day. The average reader, it takes about five minutes to read. Now, I'm not saying study the, and and go over the etymology of every word and break it down in the Greek syntax. And I mean, I, I'm not saying go down in deep study. I'm just saying reading the Bible every day. Average reader, about five minutes. Again, we're not talking about Psalm 119. But in general, one chapter a day, throw a book of the Bible at a time, about five minutes. And so usually I'm telling people, start, if you've, never been, if you've never read the Word on a regular basis, just set aside 15 minutes. Get up 15 minutes earlier than what you normally get up. Take about five minutes, read and mark your Bible. Think about, as you're reading your Bible, what stood out to you the most from what you read today? If you follow our reading plan, once the wrestling match was over in the staff meeting, we decided to read through the New Testament together and challenge the church family to read through the New Testament. Those who are already going to read through their Bibles in a year, stay with that plan. Don't give it up. Move on. What I'm going to do is just add in this to my daily Bible reading, that one chapter a day through the New Testament. And so the reading guides are available, but you'll notice it starts tomorrow, Monday morning. So if you get up at 6.30, plan to get up at 6.15. I'm going to read one chapter. I'm going to mark it. I'm going to find my best verse. I'm going to write down why it's my best verse, and I'm going to talk to God about it. I think you can do that in 15 minutes. Now, normally that grows, and it might become 30 minutes, and before long, you'll be getting up at 6 o'clock. And I'm telling you, as you do it, you'll get so accustomed to it, you'll so start enjoying it. If if you're a child of God, you will start feeding, you'll start hungering, you'll start looking forward to it. Now, I'm not saying emotionally every day it's, man, I can't wait. Some days it's, oh man, I've got to get up. But in general, it'll be like, my day is messed up. If I oversleep or I don't get in the Word because you realize how needed it is. It's like missing breakfast. But it's worse. It's like missing breakfast and lunch. But it's even worse than that. It's like missing breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What would you feel like at the end of the day? And as you begin to feed on the Word of God, it becomes a habit. Yes, but much more than that, it becomes almost like life and death. I really can't live my life without being in the Word because of what God does in my life through it. John 15. Stand with me and let's read the first seven verses. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You may be seated. Manny Buri, Manny, come up here for just a minute if you will. Manny has uh, been a member at Lawndale. He's pastoring a church in Lumberton right now. And Manny, sometimes we put... Men like you on the spot because we love you. And we want you to pray for our church. We've been praying for you in the ministry God's given, but we want you to pray for Lawndale that we will be a church of people of the book and that individually we will be in the Word, live by it, and you would bless us if you'd pray for us today.
1: Amen. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Dear God, we are so grateful and thankful for your son Jesus Christ as we approach mm-hmm. you now in that great name and in the fellowship of the holy spirit we thank you for this wonderful um, opportunity to come into your house to worship you it is about you every day and we're so thankful that through a tough year you brought us and you brought us into 2022 and as we as you give us life for this year May we take it, O God Almighty, not uh, for granted. But may we take it to be a year where we will live our lives to glorify you more. May this church be a church of the word. Because it is in your word that we find life. And as we find life, uh, may we then go out and uh, tell others about you. As we are empowered by your word, I pray that you will give each and every one this morning in the hearing of my voice the added commitment, the added direction, the added push, dear God, that we all need by your Holy Spirit to live in the word. May you bless Rodney, our pastor, that he will continue to preach your word in season, as the scripture says, and out of season. Yes. And may as uh, this this place and, and, and this community hear the word, may people be strengthened, may some be uh, born for your kingdom, may there be a revival and a rekindling, uh, dear God almighty, of your word in this community and in this church and in this state and in this country really that you will be glorified in and through your church as we just depend on your Holy Spirit now to work in us mightily uh, for this year and beyond. As we thank you, knowing that you have heard us, and we accept your blessings, accept your word, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. We love you, man. Thank you. Some of you have heard the children's song before. I'm trying to refrain from singing it, but read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. Maybe many of you have not heard that song before. I was expecting a little help by the time we got to the grow, grow, grow part. But one reason we teach that song to our children, our grandchildren, is because we want them to associate how they're growing physically with spiritual growth. Physically, they're growing up, they're eating good food, and they're maturing in their lives. So how are they going to do that spiritually? How are they going to get to know God better? How are they going to grow spiritually? Well, they spiritual food. It's the Bible, the Word of God, and it's prayer, it's communion. It's that relationship with Him. And although I want our primary verse to be this whole, uh, or verse 7 in chapter 15, I want us to think some about the context of what's happening in chapter 15. Jesus is making another statement here about his deity. This is the seventh of seven I am statements. There are seven signs in John to prove his deity that he is the son of God so that people will place their faith in him and believe on him. But there's also seven I am statements that reflect back to when Moses was saying, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them, I am sent you. Jesus is identifying himself with God. He is God. He's as much God as the Father is, as the Spirit is. God is one, and yet he exists eternally in three persons. Jesus is uh, admitting, he's confessing his deity when he says, I am the true vine. Now, another part of this idea of being the vine, though, is the vital connection he is the link between us and God. He is the mediator. He is the vital connection. In Jesus and Jesus alone, we're able to know God and to be restored to a right relationship with Him. Jesus gives us that life giving relationship with God, that closeness, that intimacy. And the vine shows our dependency. Upon God Himself. It's a pretty amazing thing. God, who is infinite and eternal, He's above the heavens, He is all powerful, all knowing, and yet He is knowable and personal and intimate with us. Theologically, there are two terms that we use to talk about this amazing, incredible idea of the, of the transcendence of God, that's one word, and the eminence, the closeness of God. Listen to what John Frame said about this idea, divine transcendence and eminence God is far above us, and yet God is with us. Divine transcendence and eminence are the related Christian doctrines that while God is exalted in his royal dignity and exercises both control and authority in his creation, transcendence, he is by virtue of this control and authority very present to his creation, especially his people in a personal and intimate way. It's a pretty amazing thing. Some people have such trouble putting their mind around this that they say, how could I ever know God? How could God ever love me? He is so great and powerful. He is so far above me. How could I ever have a relationship with him? It is hard for us to get our human minds around this. But here we find a place where he's trying to explain what that vital, growing, intimate relationship looks like. And that's where verse 7 first gives us the foundation of walking with God daily. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Think with me for a minute about this foundation of walking with God daily. Knowing him, this high and mighty and holy, perfect God among human, lowly, sinful people. And he said, if you abide in me, that speaks to the relationship. We abide with him. We live with an awareness of his presence. We live connected to him, pursuing him, aggressively and intentionally growing in our relationship with him. Think about that word abide. It means to live with. Maybe another way to help us to think about that word abide is to contrast it. Uh, abide with him doesn't mean just be an acquaintance of him we're abiding we're not just acquaintances we don't just bump into each other every once in a while we just don't once a week get together with him but it's a daily ongoing abide it's live we're we're abiders we're not visitors we're with him we're we're in his family there's a relationship happening and some of you act like visitors And the text doesn't say, if you visit with me once a week, come to church or join with me online once a week. It doesn't say if you visit with me every once in a while, but if you abide in me, if you have a relationship with me. Romans 10, 9 tells us pretty clearly how to begin that relationship. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You surrender, you die to yourself and say, I can't run my life because I mess it up. I'm sinful And so I'm willing to say no to myself, die to myself, and surrender my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. It's it's an inward surrender faith and trust god i can't save myself but i believe that what jesus did for me on the cross and the resurrection is sufficient for my salvation i place my faith in you i commit to following you for the rest of my life i confess you as lord of my life we begin that relationship, and then we begin to live with him. And the Christian life is more and more realizing that I never leave him. He never leaves me. He is constantly with me, and I'm growing in that relationship. I'm growing more and more in thinking of the constant presence of God in my life. I'm loving him more. I'm understanding more about his love and how, how he relates to me if you abide in me. What, what's going to happen, this fruit of a walk with God, is not possible if you don't have a relationship with Him. This is the foundation piece. If, if this foundation is not in place, then you might look like a Christian, you, you might even smell like a Christian, whatever that is. You, you may even sound like a Christian, but if you don't have the foundation of the relationship, you are, you are not. If you abide in me, It's a relationship. And notice what else he says about verse 7, in verse 7, and my words abide in you. It's almost like now I'm going to really get down to the brass tacks. Abiding in me is more about my words abiding in you. More and more being controlled and filled and saturated with the word of God because that's the expression of who God is. God has made himself known through the word. and So I I start with this relationship, but being in his word is the fellowship that I need every day. It is what strengthens me and grows me. And there's a commitment to that kind of of relationship, of growing in him. So think with me now. If my words abide in you, what, what words is he talking about? Is it just the red letters in this... Red letter edition? Of course not. This whole book is inspired by God. And even when Jesus was with his disciples, he told them that when the Holy Spirit comes, he would remind them of everything that he said. And so the apostles were the ones who wrote down what Jesus said and the explanation of what Jesus said, because the Holy Spirit was going to guide them into all truth, even the things that they were not able to hear yet while Jesus was here with them on earth. So ultimately, this this book is a book about Jesus, because Jesus himself went back into the Old Testament and explained what Moses said about him and the law, what, what the writing said about him, and what the prophets said about him. So this is a book about Jesus. This is not just a book from men. God used men to write it down. He inspired them, but this book is God-breathed. It's from him. So it's a book uh, about Jesus. Why would we not want to be in a book that's all about Jesus? We're going to grow in our relationship with him. His words have to abide in us. So it's a book from him. It's a book about him. And it's a book that makes us more like him. God does his good work. Not only does 2 Timothy 3.16 say all scripture is God-breathed, is inspired by God, but it's useful for what? Teaching, reproving, rebuking, correcting And training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Maybe one of the reasons we're not doing more good work, the work that God would have us to do is because we're not being equipped by being in the word on a daily basis. If my words abide in you, how does the word abide in you? if you abide in me we see the relationship and if my words abide in you we see the fellowship of digesting and growing in that relationship with him I think there are a number of ways one is by listening we we Abide in God's word by listening because even though I I would say to you it's not enough just to come to church each Sunday and hear one sermon, that that would be akin to just eating one meal thinking that will do me all week, that doesn't work physically, just like spiritually it doesn't work just to come and hear one sermon and then think I'm going to be okay for the week, I, I need to be in it on a daily basis. So even though I'm saying that it's not enough, it is important to be in church because God God directed his church to have pastors who will teach and equip the saints. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Uh, And it was him who gave some to be apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors. Why? For the equipping of the saints. Uh, That's what it goes on to say in verse 12. Ephesians 4, verse 12. That's my life verse. I've taken that to say, God, you've, You've put me here on earth to equip people to walk with you. You've equipped. You've put me here on earth to disciple people, to help them to grow. That's part of my calling in life. Now, I think there's a certain measure of that that all of us are responsible for. It's like evangelism, some have the gift of evangelism, but all of us are called to make disciples. And and some are called to spend their life That's all they do is is discipleship and teaching the word of God. But all of us have some responsibility there. All of us should be teachers to some degree. But think, God means for us to gather together on a regular basis. Again, that's why I said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, it was an important thing. The Hebrews were going through some difficult times. And he was saying your gathering together is what God will use to help you through the rest of your week. It will be your reminder to be in the Word every day. It will be your encouragement when things get tough. You'll, you'll fellowship with other believers. You'll study the Word of God. You'll sing praises to God. It will help you through your Monday through Saturday when you gather on the Lord's day. So hearing is important for us in our local context, but also the reading. And that's why your staff uh, has challenged you this year to read along with us the New Testament. I, I hope you picked up a copy of this Bible reading plan already. If you haven't, there are a number of copies in the lobby. I saw some people taking extra copies, good. There are other people that you may know who need or that will benefit from having a reading plan. I I don't see any reason why as a parent, I couldn't expect my teenager to read this plan this year. Sorry, guys. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I don't know of any reason why I couldn't expect my third grader to do this. Now, I'm saying that in part because I'm challenging you. I know some third graders that have read their whole Bibles already. I know some students, teenagers, who have read through their Bibles. At least they're reading it regularly. And we adults, we ought to be setting the example for that, whether we're young or old. Whether we've read it one time, whether we've read it a thousand times. God's Word is living and active. Every time we read it, we're, we're in a different place in our lives and God will speak to us in ways that maybe we've never thought through that text or that passage before. And so this is a daily habit for us, a life-giving habit for us. To be in the Word of God. So reading. Now remember I said reading isn't necessarily studying. I think we ought to set up some time through the week if we want to do some extra study. Maybe we make a note. Come back and look at this more deeply later on. Because you can get caught and you never get big picture stuff. You get caught on one word or one verse and you're there forever. Go ahead and read the whole chapter. Then go back later at another time that you set aside for study. I like to make the distinction between reading and studying, which reading to me is that, that daily quiet time. That the reading is like the helicopter fly over to the city. I'm getting big picture stuff here. And God is speaking to me through the text, but it's big picture stuff. When I land the helicopter and I get out and start walking through the city and going in the shops and looking at all the details, that's study. And I I think it's fine to have other studied times, but if if we never get through all the Word of God, I think we miss something. It's all inspired, and for me, this is Rodney speaking, there's no verse I can say about this, but if it's all inspired, the least I can do is read it all. Now, it may take me a a year, it may take me two years, it may take me three years. And this plan that we're giving you is going to take you two years. Because you're going to read the New Testament this year, a chapter at a time. Next year, we're going to read through the Old Testament together. And be prepared because that following year, if you've never done it, we're going to challenge you to read through the whole Bible in a year. But for now, at least we're saying, this: anybody can do this. Join with us. If if we're a church that fits a lot of the statistics, then not a majority of people are reading their Bibles every day. I'm going to say it as nicely as I can. We want to change that. Because we know how God will use his word to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you. We know how if we're ever going to accomplish what God put us here on earth to do, There's got to be a place where we start letting the Word of God into our lives and start learning to read it and understand it. Now, I have heard people say before, I've tried Bible reading and that just didn't work for me. You know what they're really saying? I tell the guys that I disciple this. What they're really saying is nobody's ever taught them or discipled them. Now, we want to take care of that too. If you've never been discipled and learned how to read the Bible we would love to pair you up with someone who will help you. Maybe somebody who will walk with you through this year as you read through, who would meet with you once a week or maybe every other week or maybe once a month, that maybe you could just ask questions and get overviews and big picture stuff and and you could learn how to read the Bible with someone. So if you'll let us know, any of us on staff, we would love to pair you up with someone who will help you in that process. Don't let the, di- the devil just sell you a lie like that. Well, I, you know, I tried that and it didn't work for me. We, we know what that really means. Nobody ever really taught them how. You see, this is foundational stuff. So we listen to the Word, we read the Word, and we do study it. We try to dig down deep, but we also memorize it. Memorizing Scripture is hard work. I'm going to admit it. There there are verses I've read a million times, and I still have to sometimes... Now, what was that verse again? I have to go back and... I, we all have to work at it. Some work at it less than others. Some, it's almost like they have some kind of photographic memory, and they just, they just have it. But others, you have to work at it. But again, you... The work and the labor you put into memorizing the Word of God has such rich rewards. You have it with you, where you're riding down the road and you're able to meditate or pray through a passage of Scripture. You're able, at the spur of the moment, when someone's talking with you and you have an opportunity to share something from the Word of God with them, and and just think about it. This book is from God. It's the very thoughts of God. It It tells us what he's like. He has said, this is what I think, and and I'm going to allow you to have it on paper. He inspired these words about himself, and we can actually memorize what he says, what he thinks. We can memorize the thoughts of God. That's a pretty incredible thought. Why would I not want to invest some hard work and some labor And the most important things that have ever been said. Why would I not want to memorize them and have them, hide them in my heart? Psalm 119.11, right? Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We listen, we read, we study, we memorize, and then we share. Because you know the word of God, you're able now to share more of the word of God. And the more you share, the more nailed down it is in your own heart and mind if you're always holding it to yourself and you're never giving it away it's a lot easier to lose it you you get if you don't use it you lose it it's it's that sense God has given us his word so that we can share it with other people so again if my words abide in you if you abide in me and my words abide in you that's foundational for your walk with God You're not walking with God. I'm pretty sure you're not really getting to enjoy God. And you're probably not making Him known very well if you don't have this foundation in place. It's foundational. Now, notice the fruit. This is is an if-then statement in verse 7. If you abide in me, you have a relationship. And my words abide in you. you're, You're having fellowship with me. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is the fruit of walking with God daily. Ask whatever you wish. You're so close to your father that you know what he's thinking about certain things that are already popping up around you. There are certain things that somebody could say, well, how would your wife respond to this? And I would say, oh, she'd love that. Oh, I wouldn't say that if I were you. You know, you, you, I, I know my wife, I've, I've spent enough time with her that most things, not everything, and sometimes I get it wrong, by the way, but most things, I know what she's thinking or what she, how she would respond in a certain situation. I, I know her that well. We've been, we've been married for a long time now, 36 years, and I, I know her. And the same with my relationship with God. I've known him for a long time. I've been in his word for a long time. There are things, I just know God would not be pleased with that. Or I know God would be pleased with that. Because I've been in his word, he's He's taught me, he's walked with me, I've walked with him. And so the foundation is in place and now the fruit of it, I I know what God is thinking about that. I, I don't want that to sound arrogant in any kind of way. I hope it in some ways sounds humble because it's it's right here. All you have to do is read it, study it, memorize it. We know what God's thinking right here. And if there's something that might be questionable, and there are some things that we may not have a great agreement on, and there's some things that there may be a little gray area. Those are Those are not very many of those, to be honest with you. But when one of those does pop up, then we can seek godly counsel, people that we trust that have been walking with God for a long time say, so, what do you think about this? And, and keep moving forward and praying for more wisdom because we'll never know it all. We're, we'll never master the mind of God because God is God and we're not God. But we can learn more about Him. And that's where our prayer comes in. Some people say, well, I... I don't even know if I've ever had a prayer answered before. Think about it for a minute. What What answers to prayer have you really seen in your life? One, it may be that we're not praying very much if we don't see that. Another, we may not be praying the right things. We may not be making the connections. We might not really be walking with God. But it's interesting, isn't it? He says, ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish. You see, the more you're abiding in him and his words abiding in you, your wishes and your desires become more of his wishes and desires. You're becoming more like him. You know how you're beginning to think more like him. Have the mind of Christ in you. Paul told the Philippians, we're thinking more like him. You know the who of prayer. We're coming to our Father in heaven. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, we're coming to a Father who loves us, who invites us, who desires for us to come to Him in prayer. We know the why of prayer. Even in the next verse in John 15, by this my Father is glorified. Isn't that that interesting? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, the abiding and the asking, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So we have such a good relationship with him that others see that relationship. Our abiding in him, our asking of him, and him bringing the answers to those requests, it brings glory to God. The fruit of that, it's glory to God. Although he's transcendent above us all, he's imminent, he's present with us. And people begin to see the work of God in our lives. And he gets the glory for that. You know the water of prayer. I love to think about the model prayer, those six petitions. Go back, read it sometime if, you, if you're unfamiliar with it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. There are six petitions that we bring before God. The first three have to do with the things of God, uh, His name, uh, His kingdom, and His will. The next three have to do with our needs, uh, our daily bread, our sins, our, our struggles, temptations. We, those are the categories that we flesh out in prayer that God would have us to be talking with him about, communing with him about. You know the water of prayer. You know the wind of prayer. I think we should have designated times when we pray. We get up at a certain time. Maybe we're riding down the road. We use that for prayer time. Maybe we're going places. Maybe it's part of our lunch time. Maybe it's a part of our, our day at a break. Maybe it's... Uh, Uh, when we go to bed at night. But we have designated times that call us back when we tend to drift away. But then there are the impromptu times that throughout the day that we learned is to talk to God about, God, I've got this project I've got to do. Help me with it. God, help me as I study for this test coming up. God, help me. I know that in my flesh, I want to smack my brother or my sister. Help me not do that. In the moment, there are those moments. And I wasn't talking about the adults, brothers and sisters. I was talking about the kids, by the way, with that. But you get what I'm saying. The, the, uh, the when is at designated times, but as needs arise, it's throughout the day, you never bother God. I, I, I'm always concerned when I call somebody or even text them or email, I'm bothering them. I don't, I don't want to bother people. But I've never felt like I was bothering God. It's like, come on in, let's talk. I, I'm here. Let's, let's, let's talk through this together. You know the wear of prayer. Yeah, there, there should be the prayer closet. We're not praying for others to impress others. But in one sense, the world is our prayer closet because I don't have to pray out loud. I don't even have to close my eyes. I can pray anywhere, anytime and know that my Father is fully aware of what I'm thinking, talking Communicating with Him. And you know the how of prayer. It's a relationship of praise and thanks and request. Sometimes people think prayer is just asking. That's part of it, but it's also praising and thanking. There are a lot of things that are a part of this relationship. I think of prayer more as a relationship. But ultimately, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Jesus said, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. God supernaturally works through prayer. It's amazing. I don't know why we don't ask more. I don't know why we don't talk to God more. God supernaturally works through, he's drawing us to himself. Sometimes even in our need and our trials, God is just drawing us to himself to say, "I I want to commune with you, it's for your good. I'm drawing you to me. And so in those trials, we talk to him more than ever. Why don't we do that always and every day? But it will be done for you. God works through prayer. It's interesting, back in chapter 14, verse 14, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What a promise. Chapter 15 in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name... He may give it to you, and then over in chapter sixteen, verse twenty-four, some of you men, you've uh, you've memorized this even recently. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. God wants us to ask. And there's a vital connection between the Bible, your His Word in us, and prayer our communing with him. Leonard Ravenhill, in his book Revival Praying, tells the story of a missionary who was out in a remote area and he had uh, made a call for those who were in that remote area to come to the training center for training. Uh, he was discipling them. And he noticed that one of the men in the room that he was training was was looking at the electric light and was focused on that light bulb, and so after the meeting, that man came up to him and said, "Can I have that?" And of course, he, the missionary, gave it to him. And a few days later, the mission, uh, the uh, person came back to the missionary, very upset, disappointed. This doesn't work. And so the missionary said, "Well, let me come and I will take a look for you." And he went to where he was. And he looked in his room, and, and from the ceiling, there was a rope hanging where the light bulb was tied around the rope. There was no electric current for him. He didn't understand how the light bulb worked. And so, Leonard Ravenhill, he, he says this in his book, Revival Prayer. And one great value of reading the Word of God is that it's faith-feeding. Now, hang on to that. That's foundational again. The Word of God, Faith-feeding. He said about that illustration, the light bulb for us Christians is prayer. It's the tool that God's given us, prayer, this communion with him, the relationship with him, the asking, the thanking. The light bulb for us Christians is prayer, and God has the power. He is what brings things to pass. He has all authority. He is sovereign. God has the power. But it is faith that makes the connection between the power source and the tool the light bulb. So what is faith feeding? Well, it's Bible reading. It's, we, we're in the Word. We're hearing from God. We're knowing God. We're learning more about God. And so when we ask, God, the power source, springs at the pass and the fruit of it shines brightly to others. God has the power to answer prayers what what in your life is God not doing because you're not asking? You may not know all the things. You might know some of them, the ways he's not working in your family because you're not praying. Maybe things he's not working in our church family because we're not praying. Maybe things that are even with our, our government, our nation, that maybe God's not doing because his people aren't crying out to him, asking him. What is God not doing because we're not asking? But then, when we think about, do we really know the Word of God so that we might know the mind and the heart of God? If we don't know the Word of God, we probably don't even know what we should be asking. So this year, will you make it your goal to read the Bible and to pray every day in 2022? I think it will be transformative in your life. You will not be the same. It'll be transformative in a church body when we as his people, as a family, we're all able to be like-minded. How do you ever get like-minded? You come back to the mind of God and the heart of God. We have his mind and his heart. Could could we ever imagine what that would look like for a church to be so fully devoted to Him and to His Word that daily we're seeking Him and we're spending time in His Word so that we get to know Him. And then we're communing with Him based on what we now know about Him from the Word of God. It'll change us. It'll change our church. I think it's interesting in that next chapter of John 16 verse 1. He's telling them why he's teaching them these things. and Chapters 14, 15, and 16 are a part of a whole, but, but particularly reflecting back to this vine passage in chapter 15, he said in chapter 16, verse 1, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. My guess is that... I think my time is up. My guess, we are really up. My guess is that we're all going to face a lot of trials in this coming year. I think we can look and we can make some predictions, but we don't even have to make any predictions. Just look at what's happening right now around us health-wise, politically, culturally. How are we going to make it? Some of you have lost loved ones in this last year. Some of you are going to lose loved ones. Some of you have had some really tragic things that have happened in your life. How do you make it to the next day? Abide in Him and, and let His Word abide in you. Don't, we can't, we can't depend on the people around us to give us what we need. We, we should live in community, don't get me wrong, but even the people closest to us can't give us what we need. My wife can't meet all of my needs. Uh, other people around me can't give me what I need. Only God can give me what I need. And he's, he's giving me everything I need for life and godliness right here. It's, it's in the pages of this book. God has given us his word. And if I'm in need, I'm going to get my help here. I wrote these things. I've said these things to you so that you won't fall away. It's going to be some hard times in 2022. This is how we're going to face them. This morning, if you don't know Jesus... I would love to talk with you. I'll be in Guest Central. There'll be other pastors who are available after the service as well. But I would also ask you in these moments, would you you commit to walking with God this year by being in his word? You don't have to follow our plan. I'm not saying you have to follow our plan. Maybe you already have a plan. But would you be committed to being in the word on a daily basis and being in prayer on a daily basis in this coming year. Pray with me now. Father, I thank you for this church family. I feel like you've given me a job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and I know they cannot do it. We cannot do it if we're not daily in your word. So I pray that right now you would burden our hearts, that we'll not be able to... Make it through the day without the thought, have I been in the word today? Lord, would you do that in this body? Would you bring such strong conviction that unless every person, boy and girl in this room, read your word each day, that you would let your spirit come alongside of them and help them, remind them, convict them. I know you want to give us direction and speak to us. You've given us this book to do that And I pray that you'll help us to take responsibility now and pick it up and read it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wanda, I invite you to stand as we respond today. Would help if I played.